Hello and welcome to the podcast where I interview industry professionals. I ask about their businesses, experiences, and perspectives to hopefully teach you a thing or two. So take a listen, subscribe, and look out for a new episode Monday mornings. I am your host, Kenneth LaRosa, and this is Season 2 of Real Estate and Coffee. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in to today's episode of Real Estate and Coffee. Today, my guest is Sammy. Sammy, how are you doing? I'm good, Ken. How are you? I'm doing great. Let's jump straight into it. Let's do it. All right. First question, how important are open houses to your business? How important? Well, I think that they're very important, actually. I mean, uh, I've certainly been in a situation where I've been sitting for two hours and twiddling my thumbs, wondering what the heck I'm sitting in a house for. But uh, I think that there's kind of a bigger picture at play if you if you sort of uh, dig a little deeper. Uh, not the least of which is is making a seller happy. I think it's important, obviously, to do that if your seller wants to have your 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 their their house advertised and on the market, then that's definitely important. But from a uh, the standpoint of a realtor in terms of growing your business, I think it's invaluable to to work the area a bit. I mean, for for example, I sort of farm a an area that's in sort of Oakwood slash Cedarvale in, in the Toronto area. And whenever there's any sort of product, if you will, on, on the market in that area, I'll often approach the people who are listing if I'm not listing the property myself and see if I could take their open house, uh, get my, my name on the yard sign. I, I work the area a bit in advance of that. Uh, with invitations come down this weekend. Here's my my uh, listing from MLS. Here's more detail on the property that's for sale. Get just getting your name out there, getting uh, your name and getting yourself in front of people. That's all very important in terms of the work that we do, right? So, yeah, touching on that, I think it's very important. And touching on that, what do you do to get people to come to the open house? Well, I, I I'm. A self-proclaimed social media junkie. I worked with most of the major platforms, so that's a given. I'll get it on social media. If it's something that I've listed, I'll potentially boost it as well to sort of get above and beyond what I'm going to reach by earned media. Um, and then I'll also, uh, if the weather's nice usually, or even if it's not, I'll, I'll walk the streets usually three or four days before, if it's a Wednesday or Thursday. I'll knock on people's doors on the street and say, listen, I've got something happening down the street this weekend. I want to invite you down. If you've got friends or family, here's a bit more information on the property. Um, and I find that whenever I do that, there's usually a handful of people that might come down and, um, and I'll sort of get reacquainted with them. So uh, that's typically my, my prep. Of course, on MLS, it's there. My brokerage also does uh, an ad every week in the National Post. So there's a few different sort of pillars and levers that, that, that get when there's an open house. Cool. Who is your favorite developer and why? Oh, um, you know what? I, I, that's a tough question for me because the truth is I don't have a favorite developer. I mean, I, I have sort of favorite neighborhoods in the city, I suppose, where I've done uh, quite a bit of work. Uh, Liberty Village, I, I quite like. Um, there's a lot of residential neighborhoods in the area that I'm in. So, um, I can't really sort of put a real fine point on a developer per se, because I, I find it's it's more uh, about areas. High Park, I like quite a bit. Ronson's Bales, there's sort of a flavor of certain condos that I see in those areas that I end up quite liking as opposed to sort of a developer specifically. And touching so, on that, what are signs of a good development? 
for you? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I think that just something that's pleasing to the eye, first of all, is important. You walk in, you sort of have an intangible feeling. And then when you dig a little deeper, uh, I've done a lot of home inspections actually with condos and, and you start to sort of learn what's behind the walls a bit. And you sort of get to know what is sort of done on the cheap and what, what was done properly. So um, that's really the first sort of sign of, of something that I, that I really respond to is something where you could see that there's just some real pride in terms of how it was built. So that's, that's the sort of short answer on that. And you say you've done a few home inspections on condos. Yeah. Do you recommend doing that? Well, I, I leave it open for my client. I mean, we are agents. We, we, we can certainly recommend and, and give thoughts and feedback and advice, advice, but really ultimately at the end of the day, uh, we are working for our clients. I had a recent situation where I was dealing with fairly small condos in terms of what my client was looking at. And I personally didn't think it was really worth uh, her money to spend on, uh, to, to spend on a, a home inspection, but she just wanted the peace of mind. It wasn't uh, outrageously expensive. They dig a little bit deeper in terms of condos um, into appliances and they just don't have a lot to inspect, I think <laughs> is what happens. So um, it's nothing bad can come from it except maybe four or $500 um, out of my pocket or, or a client's pocket. But more often than not, I'll lean on a status certificate to really get to the root of any real issues in terms of the building as far as the health of the building. That's fair. Yeah. In your opinion, what makes real estate a safe investment? Well, I mean, I can give you my thoughts on that. I don't necessarily um, say wholeheartedly that real estate is a safe investment, I, I, but ultimately it's a good investment. Um, investment and safe are usually two words that don't really go together. Uh, but I think it's an important piece of the puzzle, especially in this city of ours. I think if one wants to sort of build wealth and not sort of work paycheck to paycheck, which I think a lot of people do in this really expensive city of ours. Uh, I'll give you another example of somebody I worked with, I think, who uh, she's doing something very prudent. I mean, she, she bought a mid-sized condo in, in the Liberty Village area of Toronto uh, with the purposes of, of it being an investment. It's going to be very lean, I think, for the first few years in terms of what she's getting in terms of rent. Uh, um, based on what she's going to be paying in terms of a mortgage. But she's got sort of a five to 10 year plan in looking at the history that's going to build sizable equity, especially the neighborhood it's in and looking at the comparables. She got herself in at a good price. So that's a smart way to diversify in terms of income. And, and, and um, it's, it's not any less volatile than the stock market, that's for sure. So investment properties in this city, uh, Definitely, I think it's a great thing if you can afford it. And I mean, I can only sort of look at clients I've worked with in my personal situation in terms of there being return. And, and, and I've been able to sort of go from house to house with a lot of clients, with myself specifically, where you're kind of leveraging money around. And it's it seems to be, um, if I could use the word, a safe investment for sure. Great. Yeah. What has been your biggest failure and what have you learned from it? That's a great question. And I'll tell you that I have an attitude in real estate and, and it's, it's, I've said this before, I, I feel that really nothing is inconsequential in this business. I think that I've done several deals over the years and I've learned something from all of them. 
I mean, no two deal has really been the same. Uh, so I think even if it's a, if it's a, a, a lease or a $6 million home, there's going to be something to be learned. I mean, in, in past work I've done, not necessarily real estate, I've been selling for over 20 years. Uh, I at times felt I was getting a bit distracted with, with money and the end game being money. And I think that when you take that out of the equation to a certain extent and really hyper-focus on a client, I know this is a bit cornball, but it's, I really believe it to be true. If you can really put that work in and put that uh, ahead of just a paycheck, which at times I might've been guilty of, I think that you're going to start to see results in, in, in the real estate business. So it wasn't a failure per se, but it was something I learned a lot from. I've also just all add that I think real estate is also a business. I've heard this other people talk about this on your show before. And just generally speaking, it's a pretty lonely business. You're self-employed. Uh, granted, you work with brokerages and there's different teams, etc. And I think that really ultimately you have to rely on yourself to, to make, uh, make ends meet and make headway. And it's a very competitive business, as, as we know, thousands and thousands of real estate agents. And it's really, it's, it's on me every day I wake up and I'm unemployed uh, and I have to find what to do. And I'm very big into process. I think process is important in, in this, in this industry. It's um, I just spent too many years uh, working in a commission based environment to know that you can't just rest on your laurels. I'm at my brokerage at nine o'clock at least every day regardless of what I have to do. I'm putting on my, my nice clothes and not sitting in my robe in a, in a home office. I think that kind of thing is really important to think about. And I'm there, I start my day. I've got, again, process. I'm big in the process. And uh, that's, again, something I've learned, not necessarily from failures, but just from, from lean times. You spoke a little bit about it, but um, what were you doing before real estate and how has it helped you in this industry? Yeah, well, I mean, again, I've been in sales for about 20 years now. I've, I've been in media sales for, for a lot of those years. I got my license originally about 10 years ago, uh, my real estate license. And uh, that coincided with uh, a job I, I offer I received at Twitter Canada around that time. I had to sort of put my license on ice for a little while. I was doing it part time. Twitter was sort of all consuming. A lot of really good lessons in, uh, in, in uh, really having, again, a real process to selling and being accountable for, for the work that needs to be done in that environment where there, there needs to be things like cold calling and um, a lot of outreach, et cetera. So I sort of apply that work to what I'm, what I'm doing now. Uh, I also, prior to being in media sales, I, I was a professional musician with a band called The Watchmen. I, I still play with the Watchmen, usually maybe seven, eight times a year or so. But I run all the all the band's social media as well, uh, their Twitter handle, their uh, Facebook. Um, not not so much the website, but uh, that is really just a lot of hustle as well. Uh, when we have shows, I'm, I'm getting it out there. I'm using the power of social media to to sort of sell tickets and and really kind of push the yardsticks forward in terms of awareness of what we're doing. And I apply that same theory to what I'm doing in real estate. Um, every, everything I put out there, I have in the back of my mind, how is this going to benefit a potential client or a potential prospect? I know we're all guilty uh, as realtors of putting out just solds and just listed. And yes, I do that. It's, it's important to sort of uh, 
sing uh, your own praises from time to time. But really, if you think about it, what are those posts for? What are, you're, you're really showcasing yourself and you're really not adding a lot to a client. A testimonial, okay, it's fine. Uh, but I genuinely try to put out good content uh, into uh, what ends up hopefully in somebody's timeline, in somebody's newsfeed that they're going to gravitate towards. And uh, that's something I've definitely learned from, from past jobs. Um, content is, is, is really important. And, and again, we all get inundated with so many messages a day uh, via, be it by email, Facebook, news feeds, what have you. So you, if you're going to get a little piece of that pie, it's got to be something pretty compelling. Well, what do you play? I play drums. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I bang on things for a living uh, from time to time, but it's it's very, it's part-time, so, yeah. but it's fun. Yeah. Now, switching up, being a little bit more relaxed and a couple of random questions. Okay. Name three songs that would define your life so far. Oh, man, that is a tough one. Three songs. Uh, define my life. Well, the first one that comes to mind is... It's a song called Lay Down Your Weary Tune by Bob Dylan. I used to sing that song to my kids when they were younger. And it's a, it's a song that was written before I was born. Beautiful sort of guitar and voice Bob Dylan song. I never get tired of the melody and the message. I, don't, I really don't know what it's about, actually, but there's something very melancholic about it. So I, I, I love that song. I'm not sure how it defines me necessarily, but it reminds me of my kids whenever I hear it. So there's that. I was just looking through my uh, phone and I just, uh, this is fresh in my mind. I love the band Dire Straits. I'm showing my age, but they have a song called Why Worry. That's on their Brothers in Arms album. That's uh, just the title. I, I, I can tend to overthink things sometimes. And that could be a positive thing in the workplace uh, in terms of my drive and ambition and uh, work ethic. But sometimes it's important to be reminded to kind of roll with a deal sometimes let the flow of a deal happen. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be signatures required and sign backs and, and, and patience needed. And so uh, I'm going to say this on Why Worry by Dire Straits is a good one. And um, maybe something by Iggy Pop or something too. I just, I have a side of me that, that, that loves that kind of, um, dare I say, sort of sex drugs and rock and roll. Uh, he, uh, you know, we talked off, off, uh, Mike here about horror films as well. You know, that's something I think you're passionate about. I, I, I'm very passionate about music as well. And um, so Iggy sort of represents kind of just a, a kind of a wild man. Uh, so um, Down on the Street by Iggy, Iggy and the, uh, by a band called The Stooges. That would be another one. That one sort of makes me want to go and run a marathon or something. Awesome. Yeah. And finally, what is your favorite sport? Uh, I'm not a huge athlete. I mean, my favorite sport. I, I, growing up, I was a good baseball player. Maybe that, that might be it. I mean, I'm going to say right now it's probably, I'm going to just give you a sort of a boring answer. It's probably hockey. Two of three of my children play hockey. And, uh, and, and it's, I love watching them play. Uh, I love seeing them part of a team. I love seeing them come off the ice with rosy cheeks, having, having worked really hard and um, being a part of sort of something that's sort of bigger than they are. So that's what, that's what they've sort of actually reinvigorated my, my interest in the sport. I watch a lot more hockey with my children now, so I'm going to say hockey. Great. Yeah. And finally, 
Yes. What is your favorite coffee shop in the city and what do you normally get? I knew you'd ask that because I've listened to your podcast and I'm going to give you the, 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 the most boring answer imaginable because I'm not a coffee snob, but having said that, I'm fully addicted to caffeine and definitely need it every day. I, I love a good venti blonde. Just a Starbucks strong. It's 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 um, as long as it's fully. Uh, uh, as long as my cup is full, it's a venti and it's uh, strong. Then I'm happy with it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sort of get all hipster on you and mention some place in Kensington Market or something like that. But there's certainly there's so many great places in the city. But I'm happy with just a venti uh, Starbucks. Great. Yeah. What are you taking it? Cream. Lots yeah. of cream. Lots of cream. Too much cream. <laughs> all right. Uh, those are all the questions I have for you. Thank you, Sammy, for joining us today. Thanks, Ken. That was fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening in to our podcast. You can find us anywhere you download your podcast. And um, talking to you guys soon. Thank you very much for joining us today on this episode of Real Estate and Coffee. Hopefully, you were able to learn at least one thing today. I am your host, Kenneth LaRosa. You can find me on Instagram at Kenneth LaRosa. And if you want to connect with today's guest, take a look at this episode's description to find their socials. Have a great day. And if you enjoyed this, please share it with one person you think could benefit from our show. Talk to you soon.